To be honest, I can't figure out God. Anybody else better at figuring out God than I am? I don't know why he does what he does and why he doesn't do what he doesn't do. But we know what the Bible says. We know God is a healer. And also, there has been a lot of preaching over, I don't know, past hundred or so years, probably even before that, that has messed us up when it comes to healing. Where well-meaning people, right, people who many of you and I know and, and we love, but they're a little bit off when it comes to healing because they were taught incorrectly, right? So today we're going to talk about healing, and as we do so, I don't want you to end up thinking that healing is a special thing that you have to fly to Oklahoma City or something to get, okay? Healing isn't even something that you need me for. God has given gifts throughout the church. Healing is one of those nine gifts, okay? But it could easily come from your hand as well. See, that's why church is very, very practical. The truth is, when we look at God's word, it says something about healing. And I want to encourage you, go on a journey with me today. Let's look at that. How many of you ever prayed for somebody and it happened, they were healed? Okay, see your hand. Okay. Now, how many of you have prayed for somebody and they weren't healed? Can I see your hand? Okay, lift it up. Okay, now everybody look around. You're not the only one. Okay? Who's the healer? God. It's not me. It's not you. And all of us today, you, out of your hands, can come healing. It can flow out of your hands. And I want you not to just be passive, but I want you to actively be engaging today, knowing that God might be calling you to heal, right, to work through you, maybe here today, maybe this morning. It might be tomorrow afternoon in your break room at work. God might be calling you. There might be somebody hurting, and God might be wanting you to go pray. And he might do a supernatural healing. Isn't that awesome? Right? And it's not a weird thing. Trust me, your buddy whose back is killing him, and you're like, mind if I pray for you? And if you pray for him and his back stops hurting and it's healed, he's not going to think that's weird at all. Right? That's going to be completely awesome. We have a God who is more than able to do anything. You can open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, it's right there for you. If you missed any of anything from this series, or if you'd like to listen to something again, it's all available online. Okay, when we talked the other week about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of the Holy Spirit, that's online. Last week, sanctification and how that works out, that's online. This message can be more exciting for us because if my back hurts, it's easier to get somebody to think, yeah, I'll go for healing, sure. My back hurts, why not? Because it benefits me. But if God wants to flow through us, we first have to be holy vessels, right? We both have to be hungering for him and his glory. So that's why two weeks ago, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, very applicable. That opens us up and, and helps us to be able to know and see and do what God wants us to do in somebody's life. If we're not empowered by the Holy Spirit, being in tune with God, 
to respond to him working through us to bring healing to somebody, it's going to be very difficult. And if we're not living holy lives, as we talked about last week, it's going to be difficult. You know, if you're hanging out with a buddy and he's drunk and needs a healing, if you're drunk too, it might be hard to hear from God. Right? So hopefully not. Hopefully not. Hopefully you're able to respond. Matthew chapter 9. So today as we look at healing, it's in context of those things. God empowering us living for God and putting him first. It says, Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. They went right into the house where he was staying. And Jesus asked them, do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were opened and they could see. Jesus sternly warned them, don't tell anyone about this. But what did they do? Verse 31. Instead, they went out and spread his fame all over the region. They just couldn't stop. I mean, they were blind, and now they could see. So as we look at this passage, listen, Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the healer, right? He's the source of healing. They went to him. They shouted, have mercy on us. They were not ashamed to go talk to Jesus about healing, right? They weren't embarrassed of his healing power. They were hungry for his healing power. It says they went right into the house where he was staying. They didn't knock on the door. They didn't wait. These men... They were desperate, right? They were desperate. So they go inside. They go right into his house. You can picture it in your mind. And Jesus says, do you believe? Yes, we do, they said. And then he said, because of your faith, it will happen. Let's talk about faith today. What is faith? What is faith? Who's the source of our faith? Where do we get faith from? Right? We get it from God, right? It's not because we're just really, really good. We get it from God. God is the source of our faith. God is eternal, right? God exists in community, in the Trinity, right? That's who God is. We, this is the sovereign God. This is the God that has a will and a plan, and he exists outside of our will, right? Because God has a will. God has his own plan. How many of us could come up with plans for God to fulfill? All of us. How many of you are glad that your neighbor isn't God, right? Because the world would be really, really messed up. God has a will, and it's not really about us. We are not God. God is also the creator of all things, of all things. Let's talk about us. What are we like? What are we like in comparison to God? Hearts are wicked, That's the only thing I have for that. We choose to do the wrong thing all the time, don't we? That's why we needed last week as we talked about sanctification and learning to to let God change us, right? And choosing to do the right thing because our hearts are prone and bent towards wickedness. So that's that's where we are. Our hearts are just wicked and slanted toward wickedness. So how do we know who God is? Well, the Bible reveals God. In fact, God, God reveals himself through his word and he reveals his plan or his will for us, right? How many know it's God's will ultimately to heal? Ultimately, like heaven, right? How many of us know that, right? Awesome. 
Okay. So God's plan and his will to, is always to heal at some point for the Christian. Now, is it always here today? We'll see that we don't, we don't know. But we know general faith, right? Generally, God wants to heal everybody ultimately in heaven. What we wrongfully do at times is we look at what we want to happen and then we demand that God does what we want. And we forget that he's God. We're not. He's perfect. He's pure. He's holy. We're just bad. So as we look at the word, it reveals that God has a will. God has a plan on his own and we need to trust him. Let's talk about faith. What is faith? Faith is trusting in Jesus. Faith is believing that Jesus is, he's the son of God, right? How many know that? Jesus is the Savior. Now, now, why is this important? Jesus said, because of your faith, okay? We have a lot of people in our world who are just religious, who want God's blessing, but they don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. They don't believe he's the Savior. They don't really believe he's the healer. They say, whatever God you like, pray to your God, and we'll get better. Well, faith in Jesus comes based upon these things about who he is. So we need, we need to know that. He's our savior. He's our healer. He's our soon coming king. He's the Lord. He's the boss. He's the boss. And faith is only as good as the object that it's placed in. Well, all of you today have faith in your chair, right? But your faith in your chair to hold you up is only as good as the chair is. One of you, I sawed your legs off almost all the way, and your chair's about to break. And during the service, we'll see some of you are shaking your chairs, and you're like, what, what? And we'll see. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, faith is only as good as the object you place it in, right? You can have all the faith in the world in a 1971 Ford Pinto with 600,000 miles, three wheels and a skateboard tied to the last axle, and you want to drive it to Florida. I don't know that I would. But when we place our faith in that which is good, Jesus, right? Our faith is good. Does that make sense? Our faith is placed in Jesus. Let's talk about what's not faith quickly. This is where, this is where we get off a little bit. We, get, we steer a little bit wrong. We've heard incorrect teaching. Faith is not positive confession. Faith is not you say something exists and then it comes into reality. I won't ask for hands, but many of us have heard that. That you just say it and it's going to happen. If I just say there will be a check in the mail today for me for $10,000, it's going to show up, right? That's positive confession. Well, if I just make it up myself and I say that, see, I become God. I create in my mind what I want and then I speak it and then it should happen. Well, faith is supposed to come from God, right? I can't, you and I, we can't just make something up and then speak it positively and then it happens. That's not what faith is. Faith is not just saying I'm healed when I'm not healed. Jesus didn't look at the blind men and say, just say you're healed. What? I can't see. No, no, no. Just walk around and say you're healed for about three days. And then eventually I'll, I'll heal you if you don't doubt as you're tripping and falling. That's, that's kind of absurd, right? Jesus didn't say that. 
It's not withholding negative confession. They didn't ignore their blindness, did they? They shouted, have mercy on us. They didn't ignore the fact that they were blind. You see, we've heard people say this, that having faith, if you want healing, it's speaking the positive thing and not speaking the negative. Have you ever had anybody tell you if you started feeling sick and you say, I think I'm coming down with a cold or something. Oh, don't speak it. Now that you spoke it, it's going to happen. Well, God's not sitting in heaven looking down at me saying, if you say a negative thing, I'm going to get you. It's a distorted view of who God is. Am I right? It's not who God is. I'm, you and I, we're children of the king. God loves us. He's not waiting to zap us because we feel a cough coming on. That's absurd. It's not withholding negative confession. Jesus didn't want these guys to just pretend they weren't blind. That is not Christianity. That is Christian science. Which if you Google Christian science, that's not Christians who are scientists. That's a whole different thing. That's normal. Christian science is a cult. They wrote their own book and they have all these other strange beliefs about God. And, and they believe that illness is not real. And all you have to do is just say it's not there and it won't be there. Okay? Works really well till you fall down and break your arm. And your arm's flopping the wrong way. They would say, just, just say it's not broken. Well, it looks broken to me. I know, but don't, just, just don't say it is. And then you're going to be okay. Just ignore the bad. That's not Christianity. God is not a God who's afraid of science. We can measure brokenness, right? Right? And see, here's the thing. When God heals, we can measure that too. Okay? So faith is not withholding negative confession. Faith is not demanding that God do what we desire. Man, I've heard bad TV preachers say this. You ever get mad? You ever, like you're just around somebody? They got bad preaching on? Ugh. Bad preaching isn't just on the religious channels though. Bad preaching is on, you know, I don't think Oprah's on anymore, but there was bad preaching on Oprah. There's bad preaching on Dr. Phil, right? It's on, yeah, bad preaching on K-Love, right? There's bad preaching around, right? Uh, demanding that God do what I desire. I've heard bad preachers who have said, you need to just hold God to his word and they'll shake the Bible because when you hold your Bible up and shake it, it, be, it means more, right? Have you seen that? And they'll be like, you just hold God to his word and you just say, the Bible says by your stripes I am healed. True, they'll say that. Therefore, I got a gash in my side and I'm bleeding to death, but I'm going to ignore it in Jesus' name. No band-aids for me. And they'll say, if, if, you, if you take medicine, stop taking your medication. Listen, it's absurd. The Bible does not, does not, does not tell us to not take medication. Paul told Timothy to take wine for his stomach, right? Because it was like medication for him. God is not afraid of that. Nor are you not going to receive your healing because you take medication. God is not afraid of that. See, some of us have sat under bad preaching. I have as well. That's just not true. That's just not what's in the Bible. 
God is bigger. I'm telling you, we have seen people, we're going to talk in a few minutes about miracles we've seen within our church, right? We've seen miracles, and it doesn't matter what medication somebody was on. When God wants to move, he's going to move, right? God isn't going to sit back and say, man, you took Claritin. I was going to heal you today, but I can't. That's not true. That's not true. God is not bound by that. But holding him to something that I want and accusing God of not following through unless I grab his word and point and scream and I make God obey me, oh, that's dangerous ground. That's not what prayer is. That's not what faith is. Which is the next one, holding God to his word. The the thought is that God is like a Weasley lawyer. And if we can't get the fine print right, we, we can't trust him. So when we pray for healing, we have to read the fine print and then make him do what it says. I remember seeing something on somebody's refrigerator from a televangelist, right? And it said, here's an offering envelope. And it said, send us into our worldwide ministry so they can buy another corporate jet or whatever. And it said, in doing so, grab the envelope, and directions were on the front, and it said, take the envelope, put your money in, hold it in your hand, think of what you want, hold it to your head, and kind of demand that God's going to give you that reward because you're giving in the offering. Well, then you're not offering anything. It's a contract, right? It's weird. We don't have to hold God. Right? God is not like a little child who won't stay in his seat and you have to hold him there. It's not who God is. God isn't the Weasley lawyer who doesn't want to do something. God wants to heal. Faith is also not pretending we know what God's will is. This is pretty, pretty good because I don't always know what God wants. And when you're going to pray for somebody, you might not know if God wants to heal them. Like right then. So we don't have to pretend that he does. See, sometimes we get anxious and we don't want to pray for somebody because somebody's really sick. Maybe they look like they're even dying. And we're afraid to pray for them because what if it doesn't work? What if God wants to take them to heaven? And we can sit back and say, I don't know God's will, so so I'm afraid to pray. We can pray in faith not pretending to know. We don't have to pretend we know. We can trust that God is God and we're not, right? We can have humility, which is something that we're really missing in a lot of bad preaching. Faith is not praying only once. I've heard somebody said, if you had faith enough, you'll just pray one time. If you pray for it two times, you're in sin. That's baloney. In fact, Jesus said, knock and keep knocking, ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking. But I've heard that. Anybody else hear that before? It's just not true. Faith is not claiming what we want. It's the same thing. It's holding God. God, you're going to do this, and I hold you to that. Faith is not picturing a positive outcome in our minds. It's not getting to the point where in my mind I have to imagine it. And if, if I don't imagine it, it's not going to produce itself in front of me. That's not what faith is. Faith didn't tell the blind guys to imagine it. He didn't sit down on a stool and say, hey, guys, close your eyes for a second. What do you think grass looks like? Oh, I don't know. Well, just pretend. Pretend with, that, that's not, it's not what he did. 
Faith is not speaking something good into existence. It's not pretending that our problems are not there. It's not having zeal and excitement for a desired outcome. Faith isn't just jumping up and down and being excited. Faith is more than that. Faith is not living a life free from suffering. Have you, haven't you heard that before? If only you had faith and then you would never suffer. Well, Jesus said this, John 16, 33, here on earth you will have, uh, yeah, you will have mad money, much money, many vacations, beautiful cars. No, no, what's he say? Many trials and sorrows, but what? Take heart, I have overcome the world. If, if heaven was here, right? If we got everything we always wanted, we would not look forward to heaven. We've heard the verse from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Great verse. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we, we cannot see, right? Maybe we know it from King James. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, right? True. People preach that, though, and they preach that verse as if, if you just trust, you're going to get everything you want, okay? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, you're going to get everything you want. If you want to read the context of a verse, what does that mean? How do you read the context? Anybody? Are you familiar with the term? If you want to read the context, you look at the verses before it and after it, okay? The verses before that verse in faith, directly before it, you can read it on your own because we don't have time today, but talks about persecution. Hebrews 10.32, think on those early days when you first learned about Christ, how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. You were exposed to public ridicule. You were beaten. Sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same thing. You were thrown in jail. All you owned was taken from you. Wait, no, that verse was about getting six houses and five limousines, right? And maids and butlers. It's all nice, except for the butler, right? Does the butler get a verse? Can he have faith and get his house, his six houses, so you can serve him? See, that's not what the verse is about. And it says right here, everything you had was taken from you. Hebrews 10.34, yet you accepted it with joy. So the context of that verse is not about getting stuff. It's not even about having all of our problems taken away. Faith is about trusting God even in the midst of problems. Does that make sense? But it's not about having everything taken away. And why do I bring this up? And I know it's a long circle before for talking about healing today, but here's why. Some people, even within our church, I know, have been hurt by teachings on faith that have not been complete. People have wrongly learned to demand that God will answer their prayers in accordance to the desires of their own wicked heart. Our hearts are wicked. We can't force God to answer what I want. If I do, God serves the wicked. God does not serve the wicked. We've had some well-meaning, loving people, listen, some, some fantastic pastors who, when it comes to this idea, they're a little bit off. Okay? 
and people whom I love and admire, but they're a little bit off. And what happens is it hurts people. Why? Because when you're praying for your child or your grandchild, when they're not healed, the assumption is you didn't do it right. Do you hear me? The assumption is you didn't do it right. You didn't have enough faith. You doubted in your mind. You didn't picture it appropriately. Maybe you should have taken them off medication. Some people's children have died because the parents have thought and heard maybe bad teaching. You have to take them off their heart medication or God won't heal. God is not afraid of your medication. I've heard stories, maybe you have as well, of people who came to church stoned and drunk out of their minds and they were drastically healed and saved and sobered right at the altar where even though they drank a bunch of Jack Daniels before they walked through the door, Jack Daniels is not as good as Jesus Christ and they prayed and they were sober and they opened their eyes and they left fine. God is not afraid of whatever is in your system. But there were parents who, whose child have died, they died because they took them off their insulin in obedience to what they've heard. And then their child died. And then the loving Christian community says, well, you didn't have enough faith. Guess you didn't do it right. Did you picture it in your mind? Was there at any point when you spoke something negatively? Because there's power of life and death in your words. Another verse taken out of context. God is not in heaven looking at a loving child, a young child thinking, I would have healed him. But you didn't do the formula right. So I'm going to kill your grandson. What kind of a God do we think we serve? That's not who he is. Sometimes God chooses to take people to heaven. True. But God's not in heaven going to bless or not bless based upon my ability to jump through a bunch of rules or yours. God is bigger than that. And I don't know about you, that takes a weight off my shoulders. Amen. We serve a loving God who is so good. And his false teaching has hurt people. We've had people in our church crying why did their sin affect their children? Crying because a child didn't, be, didn't become healed and other people told them that was their fault. Prayers aren't answered because we didn't picture it or because we were even good enough. Prayers are not, not answered because we didn't repeat it enough or we said negative statements. None of that is true. Your loved ones are not in hell because you didn't have enough faith. That's not on you, right? We, we need to let that go. Don't believe me, but I have here, I attached it in a U version. The official position paper for the Assemblies of God on positive confession. The Assemblies of God does not believe in positive confession. This was written in 1980. You can have a copy. It's online. It's available. Why? We believe in faith. We believe we speak, you know, and we trust God. 
But we don't believe that God's going to do whatever I ask him to do, or if I just believe it, or God was going to heal. But in in a moment of weakness, I doubted. So God says, that's how you are? I was getting, re- I was this close. And then you doubted at the end? You're done. God doesn't act like that. That's like Biff from Back to the Future. That's not God, right? God, God isn't unloving. God, he's the healer. It's in his nature. That's what he does. He created our bodies to heal them. A lot of things that happen to us, they heal on their own because God built it in our DNA to heal us. He wants to heal you. I'm going to leave these right here. If you want a copy, I printed them out. You could take one. It's online. You can download it. I shared it to the version thing as well. There's a lot of interesting things on there. But how about this verse? How about these words, Pastor? Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Do we like that verse? Good verse. Is it true? Let's look at face value. It's absolutely true. We live in New Jersey, so it's a hard analogy, but just pretend there's a mountain. Let's use that pump house down there as a mountain, right? If, <laughs> if Jesus said, if you had the faith as small as a mustard seed, you could just say to that pump house, move, and it's going to move. And you could point at it, you could visualize it in your mind. I'm not going to try, because I don't like to tempt God. But could it possibly move if God wanted it to? Absolutely. See, that's what the verse means. Have you ever been to the national park, maybe Grand Canyon or mountains, any, any, anybody? Uh, Appalachian Trail, right? Skyline Drive, uh, Rocky Mountains. We were in the Great Smoky Mountains last year for the eclipse. Beautiful. If this verse happened irregardless of God's will, I would drive to the valley, I would get the camera out, get my family in front of the mountain, and then all of a sudden, zoop. Oh, come on, because somebody in faith was speaking for the mountain to move, and it messed up my photo, right? Jesus is trying to teach a point here. Could it happen if God wanted to? Oh, absolutely. If God spoke to you, I'm going to move the mountain, speak to the mountain, then, okay. Then we do it, and you know God's going to do it. There's earthquakes and all kinds of stuff that we see that God does. God, God could absolutely, absolutely do it. But it's not with you and I just claiming something irregardless of God's will. Does that make sense? Because again, it would be like Grand Canyon taking a picture. Stuff's moving around in the background. You get blurry mountains because they're moving, right? Because somebody somewhere is speaking to the mountain. They would be billions of Christians in the world. It would be difficult to get a photo. Um, God can move, move it if he wants to, but it's a God's will thing. This was an expression, though, in their day as well, which just meant the impossible thing which is still true for us today. We look at this and we say, yeah, it's pretty impossible. But Jesus is saying, if I speak to you and tell you I'm going to do something, you can trust I'm going to do it. If I'm speaking to you and I tell you to say to the mountain to move, 
it's going to move. What other mountains do we face? Well, we're going to move back and look at healing. Sometimes that mountain is cancer. Sometimes that mountain is sickness. There are times when God could speak to us and tell us, pray and speak it, I'm going to heal. Then when we hear God leading and telling us to pray and speak in the name of Jesus, be healed, what's going to happen? They're going to be healed if God told us he was going to do that. We can know with certainty that God was going to do that. Does that make sense? So God can speak to us and let us know, I'm doing something special here and work through us to bring an awesome healing to somebody. God certainly does heal today, but it's not about us just thinking of something. It's in cooperation with God who's the healer. Let's look at something quickly in 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read these 11 verses and talk about gifts that the Holy Spirit has given the church. These aren't gifts for just me and Pastor Bob, or it's not just gifts for our deacons. They're gifts for you. Today, I'll just give you just a second to turn there. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. It says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the spiritual abilities that the Spirit gives, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to the really special people. That's not what it says, right? A spiritual gift is just given to the guy in the white suit. No. No, but to who? Each of us. That means your neighbor too, whom you've been talking bad about the whole service. Your neighbor, God's given them spiritual gifts. You, God's given you spiritual gifts. Dave's laughing in the back, cracking up that God could even give a spiritual gift to Ivan. I know, it's hard, <laughs> but he has. Why? So we can help each other, right? Not, not so we can look good. Not so we can look spiritual. Why? So we can help each other. So as we get ready to read this list, this is in humility, okay? If you're not walking in the spiritual gifts from God, other people within our church are hurting and they're missing out because it's not about, I have this great gift. It's about you. God wants to fill you, every one of us, every person in every seat. God wants to give you a gift so that you can be a blessing to others within the body of Christ. Verse 8. To one person, and here's the list of, of spiritual gifts. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit also gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. Verse 10. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or, 
were from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to, to speak in unknown languages, while, the, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Let's look at the, the gifts of the spirit on a nice little chart. See, word of, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, gifts of prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and public tongues is really what it's speaking about here. Gifts of faith, gifts of healing, gifts of miracles. How can we boil this down? How can we make this very practical? This blew my mind when Tim Enlow shared this a few weeks ago. He says, spiritual gifts are God wants us, wants us to know something. God wants us to say something. God wants us to do something. Word of knowledge, word, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. It's about God wanting to speak to your heart and let you know when you need something, maybe within a church service, maybe out in the world. What does God want you to say? Gifts of prophecy, tongues, and interpretation are part of that category. See, being filled with God's Holy Spirit, it's not about looking good. It's about being God's instrument in the broken world. You and I can be gifts of healing to our world if we get out of our own way. Last three, gifts of faith. Uh, it says faith, gifts of healing, and miracles. What I was talking about a second ago, when God is going to do a miraculous healing that he wants you to pray for, the speak to this mountain and it'll be moved kind of healing, God's going to give you a gift of faith. Okay? This is how this works. Maybe you'll just be sitting. Maybe you're not even thinking about it, but God will impress upon your heart, I'm going to heal. Just just make something up. Let's pretend there's somebody here. Somebody give me a name. Susie, thank you. What's Susie's problem? Cancer. Wow, you went with a big one. I thought we'd start with like, Hangnail or something. You went cancer, but that's cool. We can work with that. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, Susie. So Susie has cancer. If God wants to heal Susie, this is how it's going to work out. You might be just in worship. God, I love you today. And we're singing songs, God. If all of a sudden you're like, ah, oh, worship team stinks. Oh, Pastor Jim, I bet you didn't brush his teeth again today. Wow. Oh, I forgot. I got to change a flat tire on my car. We're not going to hear God's voice. But if we're worshiping God, you are greater. God, you are higher. You are my Messiah, my Savior. There's power, there's healing in you, God. God, if there's something you want me to know, say, or do today, help me. If God wants you to pray for Susie for healing, he may whisper to your heart, I'm going to heal Susie from cancer. You might not hear an audible voice. Most, most people don't. But you might get this impression, go pray for healing of cancer. I'm going to do it. What should you do? Say, stay in your seat. What do you think? What should you do? We should pray. Now, it might not have to be immediately, but you better make sure you do it. And within the course of the service, you could just wait and see when there's an opportunity, right? Usually things flow in a service and an opportunity will come then pray. 
And then we can pray, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And the cancer will be gone. Okay? What if God doesn't speak to you directly that I'm going to heal, heal Susie of cancer? But Susie still needs to be prayed for. What should you do? You still pray. Because eventually, God's goal is for her to be in heaven without cancer. God's goal is to not have cancer. We're going to pray as long as there's breath that God will bring healing now. Okay? But see, when people say you can't doubt, if I'm just praying in my own flesh, right? I'm just praying for her. I don't know that God's going to heal her. Right? And it's not like I have to muster it up, do some jumping jacks. All right, Susie, wait right there. Got to be like Hulk Hogan, right? Jump it up and down, rip off my T-shirt. And I know nobody wants to see that. But get pumped, get excited, put on the Eye of the Tiger theme song. All right, I'm ready to pray. Come on, Susie. Get my hand full of oil. Bam! (laughs) Susie wakes up with a big welt. She is not going to be healed because I get excited or because I smack her. She's not going to be healed because of that. We can pray for healing. God can still heal. But the speak to the mountain thing, that's when God speaks to you. That's a gift of faith. That's God comes into your heart and you can, you cannot, it's possible to not have any doubt because God just revealed the future to you. You understand why if you don't doubt in your heart, God's going to do it? See, that's because God whispers to you and said, I'm going to heal her now. Go pray. And then, wow. And in obedience, we pray, right? That's when we can do it without doubting. But if you don't get that special, specific word from God, You can pray generally, and God still heals. But if God doesn't heal, that's not because you doubted. How can we pray without doubting? That's when God whispers it, because we're in tune with the Spirit. He drops it in your heart. That's how you can have faith and not doubt, because God just told you. Does that make sense? To me, that freed me when I heard that so much. Because I've heard, well, you have to just pray and have faith. And, and if God didn't reveal to me he's going to heal her, I don't really know that he's going to. But I can still pray, and God could still absolutely heal. But it's not about my faith. He's the healer. I pray, I ask the healer, and the healer does it based upon his will. When we can speak it and it will happen, that's because the healer revealed his will to us. And then we can just do it because we know the future. But it's still according to his will. And there's a lot of people who beat themselves up. If if that's you today, I want you to relax. I want you to exhale and forgive yourself. Nobody died because you prayed wrong. It's not true. Your house isn't going to be foreclosed on because you prayed wrong. It's just not, it's not going to happen, okay? Your child is not hurt because you didn't say it right. We're going to pray in just, in just a second. 
And God could heal today. And I don't know if God's going to... My prayer this morning, and really past few days, I was praying, God, if there's somebody you want to heal today, please drop it in my heart so I would know. Right? Wouldn't that be cool? Shouldn't that be your prayer as well? God, if you want to use me to heal, if you want me to speak the words without doubt, it's not because I make them up. It's because you give them to me. Help me to hear you today. If there's anybody you want to heal, today would be an awesome day. Why does God not heal? Well, his ultimate goal was heaven, right? And here's the big theological answer. If we boil it all down, there's three words, ready? I don't know. God knows, amen? I, I, I don't know, but I know he loves us. I know he's the healer. I know he heals. Let's look at what some of you who've responded have said when it comes to what has God done in our church. Herniated discs. People have said their spine was jacked up. God healed and it's gone. Severe knee pain. Gone. Infertility. Weren't able to have kids. Kids popping out all over the place. Gone. Right? Seizures. And this isn't on, this isn't on TV. This is us. What we saw, what we've experienced, what we, seizures, gone. Fever, gone. Toothache, never returned. Cancer, several people. Coma on life support, healed. Blockages of the heart, no blockages. Tumors, tumor gone. Okay? This is what we've seen, and a lot of you have more. We have seen God heal. Can God heal today? Absolutely. Can he heal this morning? Absolutely. What should you do? We pray for healing. What if we don't know? Well, generally, God's the healer, so we could still pray for healing. Can we speak it? And if it doesn't happen, it's my fault or their fault. No, 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 no. When, when the speaking thing happens, it's because God showed you his hand, if you will, in the deck of cards analogy. Psst, look at this. Bam. Wouldn't that be awesome to hear his voice today, wouldn't it? How many of you would want to hear that, just a whisper? I'm telling you, man, if you, if you, if you don't want... I don't know what you're here for. If, if you don't want to hear God work through you, if you don't want to see somebody who's struggling and maybe at the end of their rope and, and just, God might even say, somebody with migraines, I'm going to heal them right now. Go pray. And then you just come and you just pray. That'd be awesome, Right? How many of you need a healing today? Can I see your hand? All right, a lot of us. See that? About half of us. There's something. Okay, so what we want to do is pray. How many want to try and pray today? Can we do that? Right? As we sing a song, I want you to get your heart right with God. If there's sin, take care of it. God might want to work through you today. So let's not play games anymore. Let's let this be the day that we're sensitive and ready to go. 
Then we're going to go to prayer. And if you feel led, just begin to pray for somebody. So what I want you to do is not be afraid to just pray for somebody. Again, in humility, though, as long as your heart is humble and you realize Jesus is the healer, right? That's all. We don't have to be loud and crazy. It's not about that. It's not about jumping jacks and eye of the tiger. It's not about that. It's about Jesus. So we focus in, we press in, and he just might heal somebody today. Why don't we stand together? Lord Jesus, I love you, God. Today we transition in our service because we want to hear from you. God, I thank you so much that you are the healer. I thank you so much that you are the one who works and moves in and through us. God, I thank you that we've seen so many testimonies within this church family, God. The people here today, people within our church who doctors have said should be gone, should be dead, and they're still fine because of you. We pray, Lord, that you would help us today to focus in on you, to hear your voice, God.